up in a Christian home, um, and you know, as a kid, you're not reading the Bible for yourself necessarily. You're memorizing scripture. You're being told stories, um, and even being taught through other people's circumstances and how they react. This is who God is, and that took me a long way. Um, I have had some very genuine faith moments, but it wasn't until probably a year and a half ago. Um, I was coming up on feeling like I'm reading stuff in the Bible and I'm frustrated. I'm, I don't know what to do with it. And when I do, I just go, there's gotta be just stuff I don't understand. And if I did, I wouldn't be frustrated. So when Jake talked me into taking this class at Pillar Seminary, um, on the, like, just basic, like biblical narrative, um, I came and I remember the first day the professor asking, what are you hoping to get out of this class? And I very quickly said, I would love to be less frustrated with God. Um, and I didn't know that I was going to get a lot more frustrated with God <laughs> because there was a whole bunch of stuff that I was basing my faith on that wasn't wrong necessarily, but it was, um, I was uh, gonna coming to a point where I was going to question it a whole lot more than I ever thought that I would. Simultaneously, and I don't think that this is on accident at all, but God decided to kind of like press this lovely little sandwich of like me questioning who he is in scripture and some like some of the hardest circumstances that I've had um, personally all at the same time, which made me like really go, um, if you are not these things, then I can't do life like this anymore. If I can't trust you to be these things, then everything is up for grabs. I, and I was ready to walk away. I mean, t until you're really willing to put your faith on the table and go, I don't know, um, then it can't be as genuine as it could be. Um, I would read stuff in the Bible and go, why? Why would God act that way? And I found myself even feeling like, I'm. this is terrible, but I feel like he owes me something. He owes us something. And coming to terms with that, um, and our professor said to me, have you, have you talked to God about this? And I was kind of like, no, forget it. You know, yes, I've talked to God about it. But what he really meant was, have you said to God, this is what this boils down to. This is what I'm afraid that you are. I'm afraid you're not good. I'm afraid you're not for me. I'm afraid that you're not fair. Um, and that, that we can't trust you and we don't understand you at all and you don't even care if you're understood. Um, and so when I finally said those things out loud or, you know, just to God in my prayer, I'm, I'm afraid of this. It was like, it was out there, it was true, I couldn't take it back. Um, and so that was kind of taking pieces off that I thought were settled. And um, my faith wasn't strong enough, I realized, to stand up to these circumstances I was facing and that led to some serious doubt. She's hot, just wanna put that out there. Um, we're going to continue to process with Anne-Marie over the course of the next three weeks. And um, it's fun, been fun for me to watch, to watch her process. Um, but this morning we're going to move away from Anne-Marie's story. And, and hopefully even just that intro of her story, um, you can begin to identify some things. 
um, in your own heart, in your own life. This faith struggle is a, it's a real thing. But, but for our morning, I want to um, set, this, set the table for us um, from the book of Exodus. So if you have a Bible, you want to get it out, you can pull it out. Um, Exodus chapter 3 is where this guy named Moses enters um, the biblical narrative. And, and we start seeing his life begin to unfold. Um, and, and we're going to look at Moses' faith journey. Um, because there's some things about his life that I think um, are powerful for us as we move forward. And that's really what we're talking about this morning. Um, we're going to look at the life of Moses to help us see what's, uh, what a real, genuine, and powerful faith journey looks like. The journey toward clarity on the heart of God begins when you, it's number one on your outline, own your faith journey. Our faith journey begins when we respond to the call of Jesus on our lives. It's the choice to open the box, dump out the pieces, and start flipping them over. Once we get them all upright, we have a choice before us. Are we going to start putting that puzzle together? Are we going to put it together? In Exodus chapter 3, we get a glimpse into these first steps, these flipping the puzzle pieces over moment for, for Moses. Moses was, was a Hebrew um, who, through crazy circumstances, ended up like an Egyptian prince. Um, and so this is like flash, flash forward to when he's grown up, when he's older. Um, and he has this incredible experience in the wilderness and I just want you to hear from Exodus chapter 3. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He, had, the, he had, the, had led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't the bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. So God shows up in this kind of random way, in a way that amazes Moses, right? It surprises him. It, it, it's shocking. Um, and he calls out to Moses. He says, hey, Moses, I got some stuff I need you to do. So I need you to come listen. His response was simple and profound in verse 3. He says, this is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. A lit up tree or bush would obviously be intriguing, but it would also create some like anxiety, I would think. You know, if you're by yourself in the middle of the wilderness and all of a sudden a bush is on fire and it's talking. Um, I think sometimes we read these stories and we think like that it is actually a cartoon because it sounds like it from time to time. But, but he's going to respond exactly the way you would. Fear, anxiety, amazement. But there's something unique about his decision. Um, it's cloaked in like, in like a desire and an intrigue, a desire to see what it is. So it actually, it gives us the sense that he moves in closer to get a closer look. Then God calls. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a, look, a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. Now he's probably even more freaked out. The bush is talking and it knows my name. That's weird. That doesn't make any sense. But I want you to connect with Moses' response. God calls him, and it's really simple. He says this, here I am. This is where the faith journey begins. This is where it gets real. Owning your faith journey is all about surrendering to the process. Moses didn't know what was coming for him. He was confused, perplexed, afraid. Truth is, if he knew exactly what was coming for him, he wouldn't have said, here I am. We're going to get to that in just a minute. He had no clue what was coming for him, but he chose the right response. He chose a response that would change the course of human history. He said, here I am. I don't know what's next for me. I don't know what's going on, but I'm ready. So the question 
that I want to ask you this morning is, have you owned your faith journey? Are you waiting for somebody to do it for you? Are you expecting God to do all of the work? If so, you aren't on the journey at all. You're sitting on the sidelines. Owning your own faith journey doesn't mean having all your ducks in a row. It means choosing to trust. Faith cannot become an identifier of your life unless you first choose to own your journey. That begins with saying, here I am. Begins with saying, here I am, Lord. I don't know what's next. I don't know what you're going to do with my life. I don't know what you're going to ask me to believe. But I'm ready to respond. The journey with faith begins first when you own your own faith journey. Then, number two, it's on your outline. You need to find freedom in your faith journey. Own your faith journey. Find freedom in your faith journey. This is more than anything about understanding the, pur- understanding the purpose of your journey with God in faith. You know, we throw around the word process in faith or process in journey like a buzzword in the church. And we do our best to sort of find some kind of displaced comfort from it. Like, we love the idea of of being told that you don't have to be perfect. Like, it's a process. Those sound really great, but the truth is, we're actually, like, completely opposed to the idea of process. We live, we live in, like, a materialism world. We want what we want, and we want it now. We want instant results. And though we throw these words around like process and journey, we actually hate process and journey, because all that means for us is we have to wait. We have to wait to get what we want. So we claim journey, we claim process, but in our hearts we know and we live like, no, I want it now. We live before God like we want it now. I'm going to make an assertion today that you may or may not like, but I'm going to say it anyway. As Christians, we have conditioned ourselves to hate faith and be utterly opposed to the process in our lives simply because we don't understand the purpose of faith. Seriously, consider it for a minute. In your personal struggle with faith, what are you going after? A feeling? A light bulb moment of understanding? Something that makes you feel good? Most of us approach our faith journey as a journey toward no longer wondering, right? That's what we're after. We don't want to wonder anymore. We don't want to be confused anymore. We don't want to struggle anymore. The faith journey on this planet will always carry doubt as its closest companion because this side of heaven, we will never, ever see the entire picture. I want you to come to terms with that today, if nothing else. On this faith journey, the one guarantee, the closest companion will always be doubt. If you don't doubt, you're not on a faith journey. That's a simple, a simple Reality. Connect with what that means. The one way to be certain that you are on a real, authentic, and potentially life-changing journey of faith is if you experience regular doubt. It's a crazy way to think about it, but it's 100% true. If you push away the doubt you experience along your faith journey, you will actually cancel out the impact that that journey holds. You will place yourself on the sideline where God can no longer transform you from the inside out. One of the most dangerous assumptions about faith is that we can actually reach a point where we no longer struggle with belief. This is a lie, and we've got to get over that today. Today, friends, the faith journey is one of frustration, confusion, insecurity, and doubt. Anyone who has ever tried to sell you discipleship or relationship with Jesus as easy, light, fun, and happy has done you an amazing disservice. Faith is hard. It's messy. 
And at times, it's, it's incredibly painful. And what I want you to know, like, if you're in that place right now, if you spent nights crying over the struggle that you have with faith, with doubt, if you've wondered if, if there's something wrong with you, I want you to hear this really, really clearly. You're in the perfect position for God to do something crazy in your life. And I want you to know that. You're in a much better place than the person who seems like they've got it all together. Because it's in that broken place that God can become the most powerful in our lives. Faith is hard. There's so much freedom in a, in a right perspective of the purpose of faith. It is entirely wrapped up in the process. You don't have to be perfect. I know, I know I say that so often, but it's true. When it comes to faith, you don't have what it takes to have it together or even look like you do. Hebrews 12 tells us that. Therefore, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside everything that hinders and entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that's set before us, the journey, the faith process, fixing our eyes on Jesus. And hear this. This is the way the writer is identifying God in this faith journey. The author, the perfecter of faith the author and perfecter of faith. That's who God is in your life. So that means that he is the instigator of faith. He's the builder of faith, the sustainer of faith, and the perfecter of faith. What role do you play? Just run. Run the race. Get in it. Embrace your journey. This means that you play no role in the production of faith. None, zero. Just surrender and trust and stay on the journey. Trust that his process is best, that he knows what you need, that his presence, in fact, is enough. And every time you feel like questioning, doubting, etc., just let yourself. Don't fight it. God's about to do something. When we push it away, we put ourselves on the sideline. This is where true freedom and process comes from. But it requires that we be content with feeling incomplete with wondering, with not being sure. And that's really hard for us. Take a look at Moses' process of questioning. Apply it to your own life. God comes to Moses and says, hey, my people are being oppressed. Right, right there, like in front of this burning bush, after he says, here I am, God goes, okay. And he's gonna, he's gonna tell him what he wants from him. And it's like the hardest job anyone's ever had to do. My people are being oppressed by the most powerful man in the known world. His name is Pharaoh. He thinks that he's God. And he's going to treat you like he thinks he's God. And all the people in Egypt think, think he's God also. And I want you to go up to him and demand that he let all of my people go. Who were like in um, being oppressed and slaves under him. And his natural response, Exodus 3. Remember, God came to this guy with this job. The hardest job maybe ever in human history. So he must see something in him. I don't know if he saw this in him. Because here's his response. But Moses protested to God. That's a funny statement. Like, sometimes I think we miss that. Like, he protested to God. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. Let's, let's put on the brakes for a second, okay? And he says, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Moses is doubting. Moses is questioning God, not just questioning him, like, as he reads like, a Bible, to his face. And apparently this isn't a problem. It's part of his process. It's okay for you to know, to not know what's next. 
It really is. It wasn't, it wasn't the second Moses questioned, doubted, etc. God would have pulled, I'm sorry. If it wasn't okay, then the second Moses questioned God, God would have pulled the plug and said, I'm moving on to somebody else. But no, this is the process of the faith journey. Moses goes through six different excuses, which I'll get to in a second, through Exodus 3 and 4, for why he is the wrong guy for the job. Moses' faith journey was riddled with doubt, with weakness, with fear, with discouragement. But what he never did was give up. He never gave up on his journey, which leads to number three. We have to stay committed to our faith journey. This is the breakdown for us. When it gets hard, what is our response? Last week, Courtney described this concept as leaning in. Really, it's about not giving up, not quitting. It sort of piggybacks off of point two because the choice to embrace the mess is a step toward being able to stay committed. Willingness to keep processing day in and day out, not walking away, giving up, or cashing it in like we feel like so often. Like the process of making a puzzle. There are going to be times when we need to get up and walk away from the table. The faith journey requires that we leave the unfinished puzzle on the table, never put it back in the box, and continue to trust God by coming back to it. It's knowing, believing, and becoming content with the fact that you are an unfinished product. And as long as you are on this earth, breathing oxygen, you will be an unfinished product. So will I. And unfinished means unfinished. We're going to experience the realities of our unfinished nature. It's okay. That's okay. In fact, it's the way God made it, ordained it. And it's good as long as you stay committed to being on the journey. I mentioned it already, but Moses' questioning um, of God was like incessant. The entirety of Exodus 3 and 4, he's doing that. These are just a few of his responses. They have this like back and forth where it's like God... Then Moses, I can't do it. Then God, yes, here's why you can do it. Moses, I still can't do it. God, okay, then I'll do this for you to help you do it. Still can't do it. Over and over. Like, just listen, Moses protested. If I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? Like you hear him making excuses. God's like, okay, don't worry about that. I got your, I got your back. But Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say, Lord, the Lord never appeared to you. Like, hear him in like a whiny voice, coming up with as many excuses as he can. Then God says, it's okay, I'm with you. I got this for you. But Moses pleaded with the Lord. Oh, Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been, and I'm not now. Even though if you've spoken to me, I get tongue-tied, and my words get tangled. Now he's pleading with them, don't use me because I'm not worthy. I don't have the skill set. God's like, don't worry, I'm going to actually give you somebody who can speak on your behalf. I got this covered. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send anyone else. Man, maybe you, feel, maybe you felt that. But I want you to, what I want you to see is, like, this, this is doubt at its, like, height. I think sometimes we think, if, if I could be face-to-face -face with God, man, I'd have no reason for doubt. Well, clearly that's not the case. He's face-to-face -face with God. He's listening to him speak into his life. Every time he has an excuse, God has an answer. And yet still he doubts, he struggles, he wonders, he makes excuses. If ever you wondered if doubt was not okay, you don't have to feel that way anymore. 
Because God never gave up on Moses, and he'll never give up on you. In fact, I'm convinced the reason he could continue to use Moses is because of his doubt. And more specifically, his response in doubt. He never gave up. He never quit. And ultimately, he chose to step into whatever God had for him, even though it was scary. And we see it in chapter 5. After this presentation to Israel's leaders, Moses went and spoke to Pharaoh. He did it. He did what God asked him. And the next, like, the next few chapters is how it all went. And Moses gets to experience this incredible, like, powerful moment after powerful moment of God showing up. And why did he get to experience any of it? Because he stayed committed to his faith journey in the midst of extreme doubt. He did it. He didn't want to. It didn't feel safe. It wasn't comfortable. But it was his journey. And he was committed to it. I think so much of the time we question, but then we aren't willing to stay committed to what God is doing. We aren't willing to question and then obey anyway. Even obey in our questioning. This happens when questioning becomes our end. Doubt in and of itself, hear this, is not a virtue. It's a tool that God can use to deepen our level of dependency on him as long as we continue to lean in, stay committed to our process. If we refuse to obey, to lean in, to stay committed to what God is doing in our lives, we will never experience the power of real faith. And God longs for you and I to experience it. See, I think Moses learned something profound through his commitment to the journey. And and, and, and it ended up being like the linchpin for his faith for the rest of his life. God, here it is. This is what he learned. God is the purpose of our faith journey. So number one, we have to own our own faith journey. We've got to find freedom to fail in our faith journey, stay committed to our faith journey, and finally, make God the purpose of our faith journey. As we wrap up, I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 33. This moment is like that piece of the puzzle that came at the end of the, of the struggle in that story that I told. That one piece that revealed the puzzle's content, even though it wasn't complete, the one that restored faith and created a sense of peace. Okay, at this point, Moses has been through so much with God. You have no idea how much questioning, wondering, pain, and suffering. If you want to go back and read Exodus, like you should. It's, it's incredible. It's an incredible story of, of God like using Moses to do incredibly cool things, and he never wanted to all the way along, and it was really, really hard. Go read it for yourself. At this point, God is calling Moses to the hardest thing yet. But also the most important, I mean, I want you to listen to this interaction between um, God and Moses and Moses questioning. Listen to Moses' process. But most of all, I want you to listen for what Moses' faith journey is pointed at. Look at what he's seeking. Look at what he's really asking for from God. And as you consider it, think about, ask yourself, is this what I want from God? Is this what my faith journey is pointed at? Is this what I'm I'm striving hard after, or am I striving after something else? It's in chapter 33, and it's going to start in verse 12. Look at Moses' heart. Look at his pursuit. Moses said to the Lord, You've been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send me with. You said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways, so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. You hear it already? What's he after? The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. 
Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, then don't send us. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What's he pointed at? What does he want? What else will distinguish me and your people from other people on the face of this earth? And then the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, show me your glory. He didn't know what he was asking for in this moment. But look at what he's after. It's consistent throughout this passage. And then the Lord said, I will cause all of my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I'll have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Gear up for what's happening here. Moses is about to see God. That's what he asked for. That's what he wanted, to be in the actual presence of God. And God is giving it to him in this moment. Then the Lord said, there's a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face you must never see. Do you see what Moses is after? Hopefully you picked it up. There's all kinds of questions that Moses could be asking God at this point. And you still sense the doubt and fear in him, don't you? He's still like pleading with God to go with. He needs the presence of God. But, but what he's after, what, at this point, what he's most concerned about is the presence of God. See, his pursuit has gone from having all the answers to having the presence of God in his life. His faith journey's purpose is now correctly like rooted in the presence of God. See, the purpose of our faith journey isn't to have our questions answered. It isn't to have things figured out. It isn't so that we don't wonder. It's not so that we're no longer confused. It's so that we can experience the presence of God, period. I think so much of our anxiety is wrapped up in the, in the fact that what we're pointed out is the wrong thing. The purpose of our faith is mostly about what we want. It's mostly about not being afraid. It's mostly about, about not being insecure, not being uncomfortable. And God is saying, make your faith journey about me, only me. God, just God, the presence of God, the nearness of God. Here's the question I have for you today. You think Moses ever doubted the presence of God, presence of God again after this moment? The natural answer is no way. Guess what? He absolutely did because he's still on this faith journey. And that's never going to change, even after seeing the presence of God. He still doubted. This is life on this earth. But the better question, how did Moses get to the point where he got to experience this moment? And it's four things. He owned his faith journey. He said, here I am. Secondly, he embraced the freedom of his faith journey. He didn't have to be perfect. He asked questions. That was okay because he stayed committed to his faith journey and wrestled it out with God. And most of all, he made God, the person of God, nearness of God, relationship with God, the object of his faith journey. If your purpose for faith is anything other than to know him, to know him more today, you will always be found wanting. If you make him, the knowledge of him, intimacy with him, the 
purpose of your faith journey, you will be able to experience him even without any answers. This is what I pray for you. This is what Moses experienced. This is a life that's poised for impact, for freedom, peace, joy. We don't have to have all the answers. We just have to choose this posture. Just one more piece.